hello, hello. Welcome to Mixtape and Identity. I'm your host, Shane. This is episode 43, and my guest this week is Rosie Piper. Thank you so much for joining me for the 43rd case of Mixtape and Identity. My guest this week is Rosie Piper. I've been in touch with Rosie for a while now. I've been recommended by a couple people actually to get in touch with her. Um, just couldn't quite get the stars to align. Um, but I reached out to her at the start of the year and you'll, you'll hear from the episode that was maybe not ideal timing for Rosie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm so happy that um, we got back in touch and we were able to, to sort everything out. Um, really, really fun lists. Uh, a lot of new songs for me. Uh, Rosie, unashamedly, uh, got some of her mates into the playlist, which is great. Um, some smaller artists, but some amazing music in there. Um, so I had a great time with that, and it's a great chat. Rosie, very, very passionate about music, uh, live music in particular, so that really comes through. It was a really enjoyable chat, so I'm excited for you to listen to it. If you're new to the show here, if this is your first time listening, then just let you know that the, the playlist that we're talking about, that is available on Spotify. So you can check that out. The, the link will be in the description. Uh, it's Mixtape and Identity is the, the profile on Spotify. Uh, and all the details, everything you'll ever need, will be on Instagram at Mixtape and Identity. I'll be back at the end of the show, but for now, we'll get into episode 43 of Mixtape and Identity with Rosie Piper. Do you actually listen to music at the moment? Um, all the time, I think. <laughs> like, um, it's like I'm one of those like comedians who, if they had any songwriting talent, wouldn't be a comedian. <laughs> I <Okay>. think like <laughs> I yeah, I think like music is like the best thing, and okay, like, yeah, it, it's so important to me it's like really important to like a lot of friendships that i have and stuff i think like just shared enjoyment of um certain types of music i mean like a lot of the people like my friends that i spend the most time with are musicians which is great because it means that i get to spend heaps of my time going to watch uh live music which i absolutely love to do um and they're all they're all very very good which helps. Uh, you don't have to go and support like people and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like they're, um, yeah. I mean, like it's, a lot of them are like really on the rise. Like a, f- a friend of mine's um, band, Caitlin Harnett and the Pony Boys, just uh, supported like Orville Peck on uh, his tour over here, wow. which was very cool. Um, mm. Got to go and hang out with them after. I know what he looks like um, <laughs> underneath <laughs> the mask. Uh, which, to be fair, I actually already knew because I used to like his punk band in Canada called Eating Out. Um, right, but okay. nice guy. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Perfect. And so when you're listening to music, are you typically going through playlists or do you listen to albums or what, what's the normal go-to? It's probably changed a lot over the um, course of like the move to like streaming stuff, I guess, because like mm-hmm. back in the day, like... I would have, you know, like, early teens or whatever, like, I took my bloody Discman everywhere with me. Um, and, like, yeah, that's yep. your, that's your only real um, course is to, what, to listen to the whole album in full. Um, uh-huh. And, like, I try and do that now because, like, 
yeah, like my my friends are musicians, and I understand that like people make like albums to be albums or whatnot, but sure. like just the way that everything is released, it's like it's very easy to just make like a Spotify playlist. Like that, that's sort of like a big part of how I consume music at the moment is just like I make like a monthly playlist of like what I'm listening to that month and then just kind of mm-hmm. go through that but like it's probably bands that I already know are the ones that I listen to the whole album because I'm like I know I like them right. so I'm gonna like have a crack at their new record when they put that out but mm-hmm. I um I don't know, I've got like a record player which like I think is a good way to force yourself to like listen to a whole album is just be pottering about the house and chuck that on but the uh, stereo yeah. is now broken um, and I haven't bothered to get it fixed um, which was that it broke sort of like right before the first lockdown that we went into and I'm like ah oh, this would have been a good time to just sit around and listen to records <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, shit, yeah. yeah so it's it's probably a mix really um, but yeah I think I would like to force myself to listen to full records more because then you find yeah. like those are the gems like all the album tracks and whatnot. The, yeah the real yeah. fan favourites yeah I've, I've been talking about this about uh, a little bit recently I think there there's there's definitely something to be said for that I think that's one thing I've really enjoyed about doing this show is that this this is the first time in a long time that I've sort of made myself listen to music that I've not necessarily enjoyed the first time around mm. um, I'm not saying you're listening in particular but um, like I've found a lot of music that I didn't connect with straight away and enjoyed a lot of songs that maybe didn't love the first time around and I can't remember the last time I had that to be honest because I'm the same like if I'm going to listen to an album it's going to be from a band that I already know I like and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt if I don't love it the first time around I'll keep listening to it but it's quite difficult to find new music that challenges you quite easy to find new music that's within your range or within your taste yeah i think especially when you get to a certain age as well so i like the bands i like and i'll follow them yeah (laughs) i get what you mean with like giving things a chance like i I remember listening to this um podcast uh a while ago um i think it was called don't get me started and uh Mm -hmm. this comedian that i really like joe wenger was on it um and he like it was like people would come up and talk about their obsessions or whatever and his was like the sort of weird rituals in which he listens to music and mm-hmm. it's it, it like he comes across as insane in it and it's wonderful but he he would like go to like amoeba records or whatever like on like new release day every week and buy like five things and then force himself to listen to them twice and i was sitting there and be like I always force myself to listen to it twice. Like you need yeah. to give it a chance or whatever. And like, I st- if if I'm listening to a full album, I still try and do that because you know mm. sometimes you're just distracted or whatever, and you're like, hang on, why did not pick up on that? Like that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, perfect. Um, before we get into the list, I also like to like um, ask about live music. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you you just mentioned before we started recording about um been at a, a festival recently um but uh like what, what's what's the best live show or the best live performance you've seen uh i've seen bruce springsteen live six times and okay yeah i i find it hard to think that anyone would ever top that like they're probably like the six <laughs> best shows i've ever seen <laughs> like right it's, it's like truly like the the best bar band of all time who like 
have created this like stunning arena show and they play like mm. for you know three plus hours and like I've seen right. them six times and there's still so many songs that I haven't seen them play live but then like there yeah. are also songs that like you probably wouldn't have listened to much that you're like oh that ruled like but he's mm. he's just such an incredible showman he's got it down so well but like because yeah. they're like they're so old now and like he seems so fit he's far fitter than I would be and he's like 40 years my senior or something like that but yeah, yeah. I, I like I've always felt really sorry for like Max Weinberg the drummer who's got a drum for like three and a half hours like apparently he spends yeah. the whole next day in an ice bath and I'm like oh this is a far cry from just playing some songs to intro Conan O'Brien um, yeah yeah but like truly like one of the best things you could ever see even yeah. if you're not a fan I would like recommend to people to just like that's a bucket list thing like just yeah. the most fun huge sing-alongs like big jams and all that and they're all they're all so talented it's it's mm-hmm. real fun yeah yeah I mean I I can I can vouch for that 100% because I went to see Bruce Springsteen as not really a fan because mm. um, my um my dad is super into Bruce Springsteen, like, like to the point where it put me off. <laughs> like he was, he was, you know, so enthusiastic, and um, I was just not into it. And he was, like, I remember once he tried to get me to watch, like, I can't remember what he was playing. Might have been Born to Run, but it was like an eight-minute version because he kept <laughs> to like run around and there's someone, someone will know the video, but it's, it's, there's a, a famous clip of him saying like, I can't do this. I'm an old man. Mm. And he like falls down and then his band pick him up and like throw him up and, um, then he just starts running around and, and performing again. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like he did some of that on the tour. It's like the kind of like, ode to James Brown or whatever, which, right. you know, a bit naff, but, <laughs> um, they're like, no, I can't go on. Then you put the cape on. You're like, Oh, I'm coming back. Like, yeah, I think he did a bit of that on one of the tours that I saw him on. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. So my my dad for a long time tried to get me into Bruce Springsteen. As I said, like, just I think trying a little bit too hard. But then he was playing in in Dublin, um, and I ended up going with like my mum's friends because <laughs> no one my age group was remotely interested, and I wasn't interested enough to try and convince anyone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, I'll go for the sake of it. Um, and yeah, incredible, absolutely incredible. I I love a big band mm. um, on stage, and there's there's the, it's very difficult to match that sound, and it, it's just it's just pure talent as well. There's like there's not really much. Um, it's like very organic. The sound, it's not like there's no electronic element to it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? There's just it's a like band. There's not. Yeah, exactly. They're just a band, and they're creating that sound, and it's just um, mesmerizing, absolutely incredible. Truly, um, so yeah. I think they're they're very good at like releasing live stuff too. Because I'm like I'm one of those idiots who like will always listen to the live album because right. I just I love like all hearing the crowd interaction and everything like that. I'm like a sucker for like a huge big crowd sing along. Like I reckon probably mm. once a month I listen to Blur's album Park Live. It's beautiful absolutely beautiful yeah just a real sucker for that and like I feel like I'm very alone in that (laughs) I get criticised for that a lot (laughs) yeah yeah Um, I mean I I have one CD in the car that I listen to and when I'm not listening to stuff on my phone and it's uh, uh, Biffy Clyro performing live Mm. um, for for exactly that reason 
I'm a big fan. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm there with you. Um, all right, perfect. So we'll get into the list then. So song one is the song you fell in love with straight away. So you've gone for Simple Song by The Shins. Yes. Um, I think, like, <laughs> the, it, it's so wanky, like, the reason behind this. But, like, um, I whatever year it came out I remember I'd just finished watching The Wire for the first time and I was so psyched on it because I was like this is the best thing I've ever seen I'm now one of those insufferable you gotta watch The Wire pricks Um, yeah sure but I could could lecture on that show but um, I think like as soon as I finished it I just went on my usual uh, I'm gonna look up like every article that I can about this show may as well put some music on and like found that they'd just put that out and listen to it and then probably listen to it like 50 times in a row just right. while consuming all this content um so weirdly that song is connected to the wire for me but like <laughs> it's just it's such a good pop song like i i think mm. like they're like they probably get like undersung a little bit like as like a good kind of pop band I think because of like I, I genuinely think it's like because of the connection with like what's it called new slang to um, Garden State because <laughs> that's such like a kind I, of a lame thing literally that's, that's exactly what I was going to say but yes yeah, so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's just like yeah that's considered such a lame thing and people forget like no they've made some like really fucking good pop music like uh, mm. whatever the album is called like wincing the night away or whatever with like Australia and like turn on me and stuff like they're great pop songs but this 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 one takes it for me I think it just like it grabbed me so quickly like it's so joyous and like the production on it like that little kind of like I wouldn't say tremolo-y but like just kind of like really like hectic guitar thing that like underpins the whole kind of like second verse like mm-hmm. it, there's there's so much to enjoy yeah yeah um this song really took me by surprise for exactly that reason <laughs> um i didn't listen to the shins because i i genuinely made the connection with garden state and i was like nah because <laughs> I, th- I think well because i i I actually talked about that clip on in an earlier episode because um, uh, Becky, who was on the show with me, um, she brought that up, and I think she was basically saying like that sort of manic pixie dream girl scenario that happened to her. But with her, it was a it was a Radiohead song, but she was making the connection with that, mm. um, and we ended up having a fun conversation, which I enjoyed, which is like, what's the worst song? for someone to do that with you like put it on the headphones and say like you gotta listen to this it'll change your life <laughs> for us it was travis at the time that was that was a good one. Oh, why does um, it rain on me yeah i was saying in for that oh, one which okay. is i think i think it's worse um so but i think even in that clip with um garden state i think the the song that she puts on like and gives to him but it was quite boring i felt and like it didn't it did nothing for me um so then like I do this thing which I always do which is like if I hear something from a band and I don't connect with it then I instantly dismiss it mm. which kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about you know giving things a chance and um, just haven't done that for an awful long time so I didn't realise that 
like again this is this is a me problem but like i didn't realize that that, that the band were good and there was like <laughs> some, gonna be some complexity in the music and something that was like really enjoyable about it but i i absolutely loved this song i thought it was brilliant yeah it's i yeah i i, I think i like that's why i like actively try and like give things a chance because i'm very guilty of that as well it's just like hearing one thing mm. and be like ah that's shit You're, obviously everything that you do is shit but like yeah <laughs> they're yeah there are bands that i love who have bad songs like that i'm sure that will yeah. come up that that will come up later uh with right. one of the things that i've picked um but yeah it's it's, it's worth delving into a catalog and I, I think like to a degree as well when like a band has like a certain level of success like mm-hmm. not all the time but like a lot of the time like there has to be some merit to that like you yeah. you're kind of that big and like sought out for a reason but yeah i totally get what you mean like if someone put headphones on me and was like listen to this and it was new slang by the shins i'd be like okay (laughs) 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 yeah fine yeah yeah i think oh i i'm wondering what the funniest thing that you could do would be just to be like just put on some like mm. Euro trash banger like Lollipop by Aqua or something like that. Like, <laughs> what do you think? I the, or like a the, grindcore the song. song. I, yeah. I think the song that I've had um, in a list the most recently that I would have been the most embarrassed to do that with someone with would be the Pokemon theme tune. <laughs> well, that's sort of where my mind went was to like Hamster Dance or something like that as well. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What would you do if someone gave like was just listening to music, right? Oh, what you listen to, and they put the headphones on, and said, like, "Did it eat? Did it do? Get away from me!" <laughs> I think like my mind would immediately go to be like, "Okay, you're doing a bit." <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, fair enough. Like, surely no I, one could sincerely yeah. be doing that. <laughs> my mind would go to, "You're probably going to kill me, so I- I'm leaving." But yeah, you're, that's you're a possibility right. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so um, we'll move on then to song two. So song two is a song that took you a while. So you've gone for A-Punk by Vampire Weekend. Right, so that was the thing that I was going to say was like, I can't remember what song it would have been, but like when they sort of started being a thing, it might have it, it might have even been this song was, um, I think I was just like, it was that era of like, when you're in your early 20s and you're like, obsessed with like irony or whatever and like being sincere mm-hmm. is so ugh and like I think <laughs> like just sort of seeing this band that seemed like really like preppy and like they were from you know like New York money and stuff like that was like ugh that that obviously sucks and um yeah. I think like until like what year would it have been like 2018 maybe I was performing at Splendor in the Grass in Australia like doing comedy and um, we the the sort of main stage amphitheatre is really big there's like 50,000 people at this festival right it's like a small city and there's like an artist bar like up the very back of this big like natural amphitheatre on the top of a hill and the sound doesn't reach up there very well and they were headlining one of the nights and like I remember being like yeah this (laughs) this band isn't that good and I think it was because like 
the sound wasn't reaching us properly. And then mm. I I remember listening to, I think it was, um, it used to be called You Talking to, to uh, You Talking You Too to Me. It's a podcast that like Adam Scott and Scott Aukerman do about how they love the band U2, which right. is a great listen. It's so funny. And it will probably genuinely make you more into you two than you were before. Um, but then they've pivoted a couple of times. And I think this was probably during the era where it was, are you talking REM, re-me? Uh, obviously going through REM. And they interviewed, um, what's his bloody name? Ezra Koenig um, mm-hmm. from Vampire Weekend. And I was like, oh, that guy seems really smart and like cool and switched on. Um <laughs> maybe I should give this band another go and yeah. just listened to all of their albums and like even after like one run through I was like oh yeah they're really good <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of really good like interesting like indie pop songwriting and like yeah that song in particular is really fun like I think I saw a clip where they play it like three times in a row uh live which all like, right yeah you know, why not it's fun I always yeah, remember, yeah. like, before I'd even become a fan, I was sitting there diddling on guitar and, like, accidentally wrote the riff. <laughs> like, oh, just yeah. Just played it and then, like, <laughs> and like, oh, that song already exists. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, then just started looking up, like, live clips of that or whatever. And, like, it's it's a really fun song. Like, mm. I love the way that it, like, transitions just really quickly from the chorus into the next verse. Like, but, like, but I, I think to, like, before because uh, like, it probably extends to more like a song that took me a while there's a band that took me a while um, yeah sure but this was like the sort of intro song into being like yeah no they're good um, mm. but bands that I like that still have a stinker like to the day I die I will still say that Cousins from their second record is a dog shit song it's so annoying <laughs> I will never be on board with that if I ever saw them live again, please do not play. <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Fair enough. And, and also, like tastes change. Like I'd probably like I would have formed that opinion when yeah, I yeah. was like what twenty one or something like that, and then yeah. you know get to an age where you're like, oh yeah, like irony bros are annoying and stupid. Like, do you actually like anything? And probably yeah. rediscover them at the age of like. 30 or something like that and I've matured and like oh yeah no this is really good <laughs> yeah yeah which is good that's I good know, to I, see that your own personal growth <laughs> in your uh, yeah. enjoyment of music yeah it's nice it's nice yeah I feel the same way like I've I've just become very very bored of snark on the internet mm. it used to be my thing it's just like you know just shit on everything and now I'm looking at it going like exactly as you said do you actually enjoy anything it's like just just shut up just enjoy something just and if, yeah. if it's not for you it, it doesn't have to be just yeah well that's the thing as well as like letting enjoy things yeah letting people enjoy things like i like i was during our first lockdown or whatever i um was unemployed at the time and was taking it um as like a bit of a morning activity to um i called it my online gardening where I was going onto my Twitter and um, going back to like way at the start I've been on Twitter since like 2008 or something like that uh-huh. horrific thought um, 
and just deleting all the old tweets and especially like all the old replies of just like seeing that side of yourself where like telling people like you're fucking wrong and dumb if you don't like the band Animal Collective and like <laughs> I I like that band but there are plenty of reasons for people to not like that band like they are very much not for everyone like and yeah. no one is wrong for thinking that and I think as well like yeah. it like in sort of dismissing things like there are songs that I like by bands that I don't generally like you know like yeah something like Kings of Leon or whatever, like there are some good songs uh, in their early catalogue. Um, mm. But like, I don't love all of it. Like, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the band, but I'm like, yeah, you know, I can see the value of like California Waiting or, and I can say this, mm. Tranny. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> Sorry, <they're only> <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good to be able to have a word that you're allowed to throw around yeah 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 <laughs> um i don't know why i said that so enthusiastically like i would love to have a word that i can throw around but you would wouldn't um, you <laughs> you would yeah, <laughs> it's good <maybe. laughs> i mean yeah usually it comes from some sort of oppression which is no good but it's fun to take the power back yeah oppression what's that um <laughs> just as a straight white man yeah. yeah um <laughs> yeah um yeah like the other thing that i've done and we're, we're getting into a deep dive here which i, which I don't mind <laughs> but um we'll move on soon um the other thing that i've done a lot is the you know we said like writing off a band like listening to one song that you don't like and then writing off the band as a result mm. the other thing that I've done and I've done this with Vampire Weekend just the re- reason I bring it up is I've listened to one song and I have enjoyed it but I've assumed that that's all the band is mm. and not done a deep dive into them um, so for the longest time I knew like three Vampire Weekend songs that I liked mm. I wasn't like overly obsessed with them but I really like I enjoyed them and I would have listened to them regularly but for whatever reason there was just a blockage there where i just never actually listened to their albums and tried to get into their music um really until like the last couple of years mm. um so yeah big time missed out but yeah it's it's a it's a strange thing I don't but, know why i did that well i think that's why it's like often helpful like it's why i'm like so into like seeking out live stuff or whatever because like when mm. i was like going mm. through it i I think it might have been Glastonbury or something from like 2019 or something like that. Um, was I think Ezra Koenig might have done vocals for like a subtract song, and okay. they whether or not whether they played the whole song or they worked that song into a song, but it turned into mm-hmm. this big like kind of like dubby dancey track into this big jam and like showed off all the like talents of the musicians on stage and I'm like mm-hmm. that's why like I think that's why you gotta seek out live stuff because that's usually like that's what the band actually does mm-hmm. and like yeah that yeah. that really sold me on it because I'm like I would never have picked that from just listening to like A-Punk or Mansard Roof or whatever yeah yeah absolutely song three is a song from your introduction to music so you've gone for I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles 
Yeah. Um, I like probably the first like kind of like introduction to music from parents I can think is actually my dad giving me some like meatloaf cassettes. Um, okay. But um, my dad and I don't have a relationship. He's not a very nice man. Uh, so <laughs> so yeah. I didn't want to okay. sort of honor him in that respect. Um, but sure. I like, I remember we had like a series of tapes in the car um, when, um, yeah, I would have been like really early primary school, like around like five, six, seven or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of them included like a best of Belinda Carlisle, which like slaps great stuff. Um, but one of them was, uh, it was like one of the many, many compilations that the Beatles have done, which I think was just called one. And it was a mm-hmm. series of like number one songs. Um, and we never really got to the end of it, I think, cause my mum was a big fan of like early era Beatles, but then like fell away once they started to get cool and experimental <laughs> like I, th- I think I remember right, okay, listening yeah. to like Tomorrow Never Knows or something at home one day and she's like what's this crap I'm like a band that you like <laughs> <laughs> doing something interesting yeah. um, but they, I yeah I Want to Hold Your Hand I think was like the big one that I used to always be like oh, this is great like because you know like not at the age yet where you're like embarrassed to like pop music um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's just a nice bloody pop song, isn't it? I feel like I've I would have done this at karaoke once or twice. I think I did it at a place called a uh, place called the Fat Black Pussycat in New York, um, mm. which would have been terribly uh, atonal, but a bit of fun. And then it got blasted yeah, out of the water by some like Brooklyn hipster getting up behind me and doing "Shoot" by Salt and Pepper, which <laughs> is, that's not an easy karaoke song, so. No, no fair play. Yeah, but like, because um, like it, it, it's so easy to like, it's it's very easy to be annoying about the Beatles, um, right? But like, I think most of us know, like, yes, obviously they're very, very good. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, there is such a distinction between eras, but like, this is something that I've latched onto quite early and like yeah. I, I think th- this sort of like songwriting still shows up in like later eras like something like and your bird can sing on revolver like that's such a good pop song um mm. but like not something that i would have found until i was older because like that was when they started to be more interesting and that was when mum started to switch over to belinda carlisle <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's 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 a great song it really um I had exactly the same sort of thing in my mom's car, but it was with Abba Gold. Oh, so, fucking yeah. excellent! <laughs> yeah, so I, exactly the same. I was at the age where I wasn't, uh, I wasn't afraid to enjoy Abba. Mm. Some songs I liked, some songs I wasn't massively into. Um, Voulez Vu is actually in in my list for this category for exactly that reason because that was the song when it came on. I was like. Yes, it's like a little treat. Yeah. Some of the song, like Dancing Queen, that was for Mum. Voulez-vous was for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, well, I had a run through no, that I, quite I, recently. Actually, it's so good. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I am massively. Well, we're yeah, we're going to talk about. I'm massively from right now. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I'm I'm probably the same as your mum to be honest. I'm like I'm I, I enjoy the more sort of poppy era of of the Beatles and um the more 
classic tunes i think there's i've listened to a few of the more strange and experimental songs recently and well, i don't know if it's for me but um yeah i i, I love this song it's 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 a classic it's it's exactly what we talked about again like when things become popular for a reason mm. um like yeah this is it's a classic for a reason yeah and there's so many songs like this from that era like yeah. this is just one example like yeah absolutely. you can tell why they kind of really blew up yeah kind of really blew yeah. up massively blew up and arguably the biggest <laughs> band of all up. time yeah. <laughs> heard of the Beatles yeah. um <laughs> yeah they did all right back in the day but I think like yeah uh, I like I love this but I do kind of prefer the later era like I like it's not a you know unique opinion but I think that like kind of back half of Abbey Road is like the best sequencing of songs like ever like just the way that they all run into each other it's wonderfully done and then ends with mm. that weird little Her Majesty thing for some reason because um, <laughs> Paul's a bit funny <laughs> he is good yeah. um, hey guys wouldn't it be yeah. weird if we put this comic song on the end just to really ruin <laughs> the experience it's a good Paul I like it <laughs> um Alright, song four then is a song that makes you happy. So you've gone for Summer Teeth by Wilco. Yes. Um I adore Wilco. They're um one of my very, very favourite bands. Um but I, I I think this is probably like an interesting choice because like the whole album, um, Summer Teeth, the this is the title track, um like it's all pretty depressing lyrics wise but Mm -hmm. it's all contrasted with this really kind of like sunny like probably like the poppiest version of Wilco Um, and I love that little like juxtaposition like something like ELT it's like this big like yeah but (laughs) the repeated refrain is like every little thing will fall apart Um, but I think just the like musically this song really does just make me happy it's such it's such a nice little song like the way the guitar plays out like this kind of like lilting chorus and then like that little bit in the kind of bridge or whatever where like I don't even know what instrument it is but this big like kind of twinkly thing plays like Mm. that gets me every time I think that sounds so beautiful um right and like but it like I was listening to it recently like listen to all these um to remind myself um for this but um it like it's almost kind of optimistic of like you know you might be alone or like things might be shit in your relationship or whatever but like you can still find little bits of happiness in the little things. Mm, mm-hmm. But it's great. I would I would love to see them um, play this live, if nothing else, just to see how they do that little twinkly bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I did see them live once, and um, it, it was really weird. Like I think like like Jeff Tweedy is so funny. He's one of the funniest musicians that I've seen. Um, mm. 
was it we're going to play a song from the third record now <laughs> just it got the most muted response and i i think it's a really like in terms of their whole catalog i think it's probably like the most undersung record it's like it's one of the best it's it's really fucking good mm. like not really a dud track on it mm. okay but i think yeah. really listened to much wilco before so uh, oh. this is this is an introduction for me so they're fabulous my my starting point for and um this is always a theme uh for wilco would be to listen to their live album uh kicking <laughs> television because um, that is what they actually do like they because right. that's that's the first album or the first release with the lineup that they have now which is like the longest they've had any lineup and like right. it's like it's the first one to feature like Nels Klein on guitar who was like he was always this big kind of like jazz guitar player but like he fucking shreds and like some of the songs just massively explode like there's stuff like spiders which is just like a kind of like 10 minute like kraut rock epic um it's it's a f- as well i think because like the next two albums that came out um after summer teeth were like yankee hotel foxtrot um and um a ghost is born and um i think like i genuinely like have a joke in my stand-up uh, where I talk about those two albums, uh, which are weaved into a joke about me talking about cricket statistics. Um, but the production on A Ghost Is Born is uh, very weak and insipid, and then the kicking television thing is like the tour from A Ghost Is Born, and you get to hear what those songs are actually supposed to sound like, and they're incredible. Right. They're really big. Um, but, yeah, a very... Very good band, very good live band mm. too. I'll give it a go. Absolutely, um, I love this song. I, I thought I thought it was really really good. Um, I thought I I was interested to know what the sort of for this category, I guess, because I think typically the songs that make people happy are maybe a little bit more energetic. This felt quite relaxed mm. to me. Was that deliberate or? Yeah, I think this is like those are the moments where I like feel very happy. I think as if I'm sitting down and like taking stock of everything. Um, yeah, and like th- this, the, the reason that this probably like jumped into my head um, was I uh, a couple of months ago or something. I, I was um, just walking um, from my house to the Sydney Comedy Store to do some gigs, and like the the first half of this year was quite challenging for me. Um, my, um, my girlfriend had to move, um, interstate, um, to start a job and we were going to have to do long distance. And then, uh, I went down to visit her and, uh, she broke up with me the day after our anniversary, which was, uh, unexpected. And then I had to do like a month of shows at a comedy festival, which was just so exhausting and I was not in the mood for it because it was about two weeks after the breakup and, like, I um, just, like, absolutely loved and adored this woman. Um, And it was really bad. And then, like, you know, I I ended up breaking (laughs) five ribs on my left side um, 
just by not being very sure-footed at the pub, and I wasn't even drunk. Uh, I hadn't been there very long. Just Jesus. just got out of a chair wrong. <laughs> um, oh, fuck. But uh, there were, like, among other things that I maybe won't mention because there um, it could affect a legal case that um, maybe I can take against a certain publication over here. But, <laughs> but it sucked. And um, okay. I... Um, I was walking to the comedy store and just sort of thinking about everything that was going on and this song was playing and like, yeah, like I find it really like relaxing and like nice and I was just sort of having a think and I was like, oh, this is the first time that I feel properly happy, like in mm. months. Right. And like, I think this song probably helped like the the mindset that it puts me in probably helped me like come to that conclusion and yeah. you know I think it's good having those little realizations now because like I probably like am reminded of that when I listen to it you know like I think like yeah. one thing that I'm uh, I'm kind of annoyed about is um I've never been able to remember exactly what I was listening to is like the day that I like came out as trans I um mm just it was sort of the era where people were still using Facebook and I like put out this big long post and just hit send and then I shut my computer and I left my phone on my bed and I went to the beach with some friends and then I came home like hours later and I sat on my balcony over there um, and just sort of read through everyone's messages and like that was at that point in my life like the happiest I'd ever felt and I'd I was listening to something. I'd put something on the record player and I wish I could remember what it was. <laughs> but, Cause that could, that could definitely have been a contender. It could have been this. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I asked. Um, I have, uh, I, I, I can relate to that hundred percent. I, I, so the song that I chose from my list that, um, uh, that I relaxed to, hmm is probably quite similar to this in a way because it's there's a certain there's this might sound odd but there's a certain stillness to the song mm. that it, that's the sort of headspace it puts me in and it does make it does put me in a sort of more reflective and specifically positive um reflective mood it's calming um yeah which I think is, um, yeah, and I, I, I yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Like it's there's, there's, a, there's a, there's a very definite joy in being able to just take a beat and, like, enjoy the moment and enjoy where you are and and try to take the positive side of what you're doing. Um. So yeah, as I say, it's a little, it's maybe slightly different to what a lot of people go for for happy, but I think that's yeah. Um. I, re- I really like that as a choice and I really like that as a as a rationale cool. <laughs> excellent alright song 5 then oh, we're going to take it down now song 5 is a song that makes you sad so you've gone for the winner takes it all by ABBA yeah uh, <laughs> as um, a 33 year old single woman um, I have been through my share of breakups um, hmm. 
and I'm usually the one being broken up with. Um, and I think this is like one of the, like, I've, there's like a sort of list of songs that if you saw me listening to in a row on Spotify, <laughs> you'd probably text me and be like, are you okay? Which <laughs> um, <laughs> is like just yeah, yeah. a series of like songs of like leaning into the sad. Cause like, I, I think like, I understand the people that like, try and you know cheer themselves up or whatever when they're feeling really sad but like mm. I've always thought that it's really valuable to just kind of lean into it um, and yeah. get it out and like I'll probably like if like in a situation like that where I've been like broken up with or whatever and, and bummed about it um, like a lot of the time I'll probably be listening to like really stupid podcasts or something like that to distract me because there's not like you know any kind of like romantic elements to them or something like that um although i talked about this on the radio in australia was um my um then girlfriend um one night relatively early into when we were dating um we were at the pub and i was sort of meeting like a friend group for the first time um and um I, did, I feel like we were probably like bloody high on MDMA or something like that. And um, <laughs> over the, just sort of speakers in the pub, uh, Jump by Van Halen started playing. <laughs> and um, she, like, she's very funny. And uh, like, she's a comedian as well. Um, and she just leaned into me and went, hey, this is our song. <laughs> like no no because because that's so funny and it means that it's got to be our song and i fucking hate this song and like that sort of persisted as such and i think yeah like um when when we broke up earlier in the year i um or actually we broke up twice um and the first time i was listening to one of those stupid podcasts and then this particular episode, the two hosts started singing a bunch of songs and they started singing Jump by Van Halen and I just started bawling my eyes out. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, that's our song. Um, which I think then is like why it's important to just lean in to the sad because you can't be surprised then. Um, and like, yeah. yeah, obviously. Like this is, it's such a good song. I think it's one of their very best. Um, mm. But it's, what a, what a bummer. <laughs> it's like, Really, like, Big time. and like, it's totally how you feel when, like, you've been broken up with. It's just like, ah, yeah, look at me, the fucking loser that wasn't good enough. <laughs> you're off, yeah. and you're probably fine, and they're probably not fine, but <laughs> you know, exactly. Of yeah. course, that's just what you think. Um, you know, looking at their yeah. social media and being like, ah, you're, you're doing fine. You're like, no, we all, we're all living a lie on social media, we're all performing and saying <laughs> that it's going better. Like, like everybody yeah, said yeah. that to me this year it was like, oh god, it looked like your Melbourne comedy festival run went really well. I was like, oh, thanks, I was having the worst time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I cried on stage oh, eight it. times, um, <laughs> but it was a it was an emotional show that sort of allowed for that to happen. I think people were probably like, wow, this is really powerful, and I'm just like, I'm crying about something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, but this is this is definitely one of the first things, and I just yeah, it's. It's like it's, it's almost cathartic to just get it out. Um, yeah, I think it's like yeah, yeah they have taken it all. I'm, I'm the loser. <laughs> I yeah. have to fall. 
yeah i mean i yeah again this is sort of it's it's a regular theme of this category on the show but um i think it's healthy to feel feelings and just lean into it sometimes 100 percent um and yeah the other thing about this is like abba i have only really sort of come around to the idea that they have any depth to their songwriting mm. in the last year and fuck me there's a lot of depth these people have lived um and yeah there's so many of their lyrics that are tragic and beautifully written mm. and yeah again I, I i went through something similar last year not a not a breakup but not dissimilar um and yeah the i was thinking about that as i was listening to the song is this sort of what I saw on social media at the time and what I saw um, it was kind of like well you know they get to go on and live their lives and you know hang on to certain things and we sort of are left with very little um, yeah so yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, a, it's forced on you it's like now you have to deal with this I'm like oh cool yeah. thanks <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah it's definitely a definitely a universal thing um, but yeah, again, it's sort of very late to the party with with ABBA in the sense that, like, taking them more seriously as artists, which is a bizarre thing to say, but um, absolutely incredible. Yeah, truly, and like I like I love like I think that's probably like an undersung part of like kind of like discoy stuff is like the good sad disco song is 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 a real mm. good part of the the genre. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right, perfect. Um, song six is a song to relax to, so you come for all the same by real estate. Yeah, I like that. That's where my, in terms of like how quickly things came to mind. Um, yeah. For like when looking at the list um, for this show, that was the one that just immediately went like ding. Um, like that whole record, um, I think it's called Days. Um, is like my kind of like number one summer chill out album it's like there's some great songwriting on there but it's also just like it's it's just so nice and inoffensive um but not in a boring kind of ed sheeran way or whatever um but like that i think that song in particular like the i think the big single was um it's real which is a great song um Mm. But yeah, this, I, like, I'm I'm also a sucker for like a long song, like with a big outro or whatever. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I, um, from memory, I didn't actually manage to stick what, if gone to my head, would probably say is my favorite song um, of all time. Although that changes, but like, yeah, gone to my head, I would probably pick a certain one, um, which has an outro that, like, if you play it on loop, I could listen to forever. Um, but yeah, I just the kind of way that this kind of like builds, but in like a really nice way. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a good capper to the album as well. I think um, mm. I have like a certain like couple of group, or a couple of friends who we would always go to this music festival in um, uh, country Victoria in Australia um, called Meredith, 
um, or Golden Plains. Um, I actually have a, a tattoo of a tree there, if you can see that on my arm, which is a tree at that festival. Um, that's oh, wow. the first tattoo I ever got. Um, and standing underneath that tree was the first time I ever came out to somebody. Um, but like wow. almost any time we're in the car together, we'll put that song on. And it's just it's such a nice thing to be driving through like country Australia and looking at like all these kind of golden plains, I guess is why they uh, called the festival that. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a good mood setter. Um, but just like, yeah. like no, I, I no one would ever complain. Like, it, like if you've just got people like chilling at your house, having a beer or whatever, like just like on a hazy summer day, just like put that on, um, and you're set. But like, yeah, I yeah. think that like, and that's probably been the case a couple of times. Is like I'm probably talking about an album or a band as a whole, but like, that's the highlight track for me. Yeah. Yeah, I found it. I found it very like meditative. Mm. Um, it it had similar vibes to a band that I really love, um, One by Bicycle Club. Oh like, yeah, similar kind of. I think I saw them live uh, once. I had to review them for Time Out Sydney. How did it go? Uh, okay, from memory, I'd never heard of them uh, at the time. Right. Um, okay. Um, but they have like, and, and again, we're, we're maybe talking more album tracks, but. They have a lot of a. Uh, I don't really know the proper terminology, but it's almost like a sort of like oscillation in the way the music is constructed, um, and it's like a continual flow as well. So it's sort it's it's like waves that you sort of just like ride on almost. Mm. And it's very very chilled, um, and I, I think the reason I find it so meditative is the is the long outro because. Because it's like it's it is it is repetitive, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But you, it's very easy to just sort of like zone out and let your mind drift, yeah. which yeah, I think is yeah, it's it's again a very useful thing to have. But yeah, I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like I love a bit of repetition. Like it's good to have something mm. to like lock onto. Like I like I love a bit of kraut rock. I think like mm. and like this is very much not that but <laughs> it's got yeah the the kind of repetitiveness of it is kind of similar like the, the same friends that I always listen to this record will be the, the same friends that always put a like, kraut rock playlist on so like there must right. be something to that I think <laughs> yeah definitely song 7 is a song from preteen years so you've gone for Wendy Clear by Blink-182 yes um I would have started a big week for Blink-182 fans. Um, Tom's back in the band, World Tour. Um, just got tickets yeah. yesterday uh, to go and see them in almost a year and a half from now. <laughs> um, oh, happy days. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like, that doesn't even seem real. Like, there's a whole calendar year in between um, when <laughs> when we're going to see them. Um, but I think of all the songs that I would want to see them play, this is probably... Uh, number one because um, mm. I would have um, come across Blink-182 I guess around yeah it would have been when this album came out because um, like I, my first exposure to them would have been like I think a lot of people from my 
generation which would have been all the small things which is a song which i would be very happy to see them not play um <laughs> it's like <laughs> kind of relatively boring um yeah but you know like you saw the that's like it's a catchy song and like you know it had a funny video like especially if you're like 11 or 12 or whatever i would have been at the time um yeah. 10 10 i think yeah um but um i think like this this is a real like album track i guess um but it's just it's an ode to like <laughs> just going out with someone that you love on a boat <laughs> Which is a nice thing. I've done that. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a nice moment. Um, and yeah. I think like when I I saw them would have been 2004. Um, so probably like not too long um, before they broke up for the first time. Um, but they were touring off their self-titled album, which is my favorite Blink-182 album. Um, still a very big unashamed fan. I think they are light years ahead of any other pop punk band like in terms of quality in that genre um mm. but i remember they played four shows in sydney and we were the only show that got a second encore which makes you feel good like you're like <laughs> we were a better crowd yeah, yeah. um but um the very last song well, actually, like the the encore was uh, the song "Dysentery Gary" from the same album, which like I think because I'm like such a live album head, like I just smashed the Mark Tom and Travis show, which had like most of the songs from uh, this album "Enema of the State" on it, but it didn't have um, "Dysentery Gary," and that's a fun song. Maybe some kind of like fucked lyrics in hindsight or whatever, but it's. It's a good pop punk song um, with good energy, but then they played uh, the song uh, Dick Lips, uh, funny title, and then Wendy Clear. And, like, they were still, like, one of my very favorite bands at whatever age that was. It would have been, like, 14 or 15 or something like that. And um, like, I was just, like, so happy that I've just seen Blink-182 live. And it was also, like, because it was something, like, a year or eight months after we were actually supposed to see them and they had to go back home because Travis broke his foot or something like that um, right, okay. which um, what a wimp my uh, friend who's the drummer in a couple of um, my friend's bands recently fell down the stairs while he was pissed and he's just been playing in a moon boot <laughs> which Jesus is quite fun <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh Pilts shout out he's uh, <laughs> the drummer in every, sing every Sydney band um, but I think like that like that was always one of my favorite songs of theirs and then to see that be like the last thing that I saw them play just like left me in like the best mood and like I would have been in school next day just like writing the lyrics in my fucking exercise book or whatever like <laughs> you know that kind of loser teen um yeah sure not paying attention to whatever algebra or whatever we're doing in maths class <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've never really enjoyed Blink Way, I'd say, to mm. be honest. Like, and that, that's like, especially right now, because time of recording, as you say, like the world tour has just been announced. Everyone's very excited that Tom's back in the band. Um, I've never really got it, and I think again, it goes back to what we talked about already, which is like, I, I didn't like all the small things, mm. and that's kind of the only 
big song of theirs that I really paid an awful lot of attention to. I really liked Wendy Clear. I really, really did. Um, and a few people have said it to me, and I just need to dive in and actually give their albums a go. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is there's there's still a part of me that um just finds it's, I, I'm finding it hard to get over some of the more I'm going to sound very judgmental here the more juvenile element of Blink-182 yeah. like like their tour announcement video where it's a bunch of people say saying they're coming in different ways <laughs> it's just like come on like that's that's a great joke if you're 14 but these are grown grown men that's <laughs> 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 a bit strange um but yeah like i i need i need what i need to do is just put that aside and actually just try and listen to some of the music yeah um, i think this, this this was an excellent song yeah i think if you grew up with it then the the juvenile thing is 100 still yeah, yeah. what you like about them like i genuinely yeah. think like because it the like time when i would have been listening to them heaps like they've probably had like quite a big impact on what my sense of humor is and like uh, sure yeah <laughs> my like my mother like would frequently hate things that i was listening to like i think especially into the era where i got like way too into radiohead um sounds like cats mm. being thrown against the wall i think is what she used to always say um <laughs> But um, and then me being early twenties, like don't understand how good Tom York's voice is. Um, but it was always a little victory for me that I was listening to the Mark, Tom, and Travis show, like their live record. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's just a, like there's so much stage banter in it because that was what they did so much um, to the point that like at the end of that live album, there's about fifteen minutes or so of just stage banter taken from whatever tour that was on. Um, but <laughs> Mark says, if you're anything like me, you like to dress up in your mother's underwear and walk around the house trying to seduce your father. And my mum was walking past my room and audibly laughed out loud at that. And I was like, yes, <laughs> see, <laughs> there's some value to this. <laughs> I think Tom's reply is, I'm like you, I try to seduce your dad. Um, and like, yeah, I think like, obviously it is like dumb 14 year old humor but like nostalgically i'm like ah it's back (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely all right perfect uh song eight is a cover so you've gone for tyrone by my morning jacket yeah i probably uh changed the answer to this multiple times it's probably the last one that i settled on um and i'm sure if like I had have kept going and mining my kind of like music library. I could have found one that maybe uh, resonated more with me. Um, but this, I think this one's a banger. Like um, I've never been fortunate enough to see my morning jacket live, but I've always heard that they are like one of the best, live albums live albums live bands that you'll ever see um mm. and i know i've seen like a lot of clips of them like doing covers like sensational like purple rain cover and whatnot um but like okay. i think like because i knew the original of this um of like erica badu 
Um, and there's, I think, I'm pretty sure there's like a good live clip out there of them doing it together. Um, but like, mm-hmm. I'd never sort of considered the possibility that like this would be a song that they could cover really well. Um, because mm-hmm. like Jim James has like a great voice. Um, which can be like a real caterwaul, like especially if you listen to like kind of like live versions of like wordless chorus or something like that, um, which he like controls tremendously. Um, but like I wouldn't have thought how well that that could actually kind of transfer to like R and B. But True. it's a fucking ripper of a track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you picked it. If I'm honest, because um, I I hadn't heard the song and I hadn't heard um I hadn't heard the original either, so um I got to like listen to both and yeah, it's a it's a it's a great song. I I love a cover like this where like they've they've not ob- they've not deviated too far from the original. Um, but I think in particular you'll like this. In particular, I think um I really like what they've done with the bass because mm. it borrows from the original but sort of i don't know if it modernizes it or just like makes it fit their sound a little bit better but it it it's familiar in a way it's it's familiar but it's it's different enough that i think it really works as a cover and it really works for the band um but yeah i I, yeah i love i love listening to this one Uh, yeah this this is like enough of its own and i think like his voice as well is like different enough to hers um yeah that it kind of makes it its own thing um yeah and i think as well like it's good that they've like got a cover on record because they've done like so many different ones live um mm-hmm. it'll be it's good to actually have at least one kind of cataloged yeah definitely yeah d- different different approaches like vocally in terms of the emotion that they bring to it as well mm. it sounds like a very different song when Eric Abadu was performing it it's like a very like almost like a very different message um, that I didn't really pick up on when I listened to the to the cover mm. but um, yeah it's beautiful I really liked it um, alright song 9 then is a song that you would sing at karaoke so you've gone for You Never Even Call Me By My Name by David Allen Coe yes uh, this is like a relatively new uh sort of addition to my musical uh lexicon um mm-hmm. I saw a uh, musician over here called Charlie Finn do a cover of it um and um I mean if if anyone listening listens to this song uh, and gets really into the guy there's uh there's a lot of cool stuff in the catalog not a lot of cool stuff in his politics <laughs> a pretty <laughs> A pretty kind of like died in the wool, like kind of South uh, guy uh, in America who probably doesn't love uh, gay or black people um, or Jewish people or whatever. Um, like, there's some of the press photos you see of him are just like big Confederate flag stuff. He's like pretty crook. <laughs> um, so there is a bit of separate the art from the artist in this. Um, but I think this is such a good karaoke song because it's not too hard to sing vocally um i've I've actually like only had a a a go of this once um (laughs) so far um right like uh, other contenders for this were um 
Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Without Me by Eminem. <laughs> uh, I, uh, okay. I, I once did that in a sort of like one of those places that like you're doing karaoke to the entire um, bar and just turned my back on the screen uh, because, <laughs> because I knew all the words anyway. Um, yeah. I think last time I did it, I, uh, I walked outside with the microphone um, <laughs> and just started doing it outside. Um, but I think this this is a fun one and like definitely one that I thought would be good to like introduce to people who haven't heard it because um, hmm. like yeah like not too hard to sing it's got like a fun chorus that like if anyone knows it they can get involved with um, like sometimes yeah. like in karaoke like cliches are the best like I remember just seeing like at the same place probably the same night actually that I'd like turn my back on the screen someone did Piano Man and just the whole bar sang along which you know I obviously love that shit um, yeah but it's also funny <laughs> which is like it's it's good like that kind of like last verse of like my friend told me that you know I love that in a in a karaoke song and like trying to do or, mm. or in a country song rather and then in trying to do that at karaoke is fun like I love the little like spoken word bit um, right but um, the, the greatest country song yeah that's ever been written and then yeah. just hits all the marks like I think yeah when I saw Charlie Finn play that for the first time I was like why have I never heard this this is amazing um <laughs> But, yeah, yeah like, because, like, if you're doing karaoke, you've got to try and give people a show, right? So, like, why not try and get a few laughs? Um, yeah, I see. Yeah. So. I was actually going to ask you then, so, because uh, it's interesting you said that, because I thought this might have been a more strategic choice, because it's, you know, it's a slightly easier song to sing, perhaps. But, um, obviously, you're talking, you know, about doing karaoke fairly regularly and, and giving the people a performance so given it's a maybe a slightly sl- slower song like what what are you bringing to the performance and maybe the earlier parts of the song what's the vibe i think just trying to like hit the the accent and whatnot okay um yeah that'll do it you know um like really turn it on um and like certainly there are like like it is easier to sing but like there are some like moments where it goes up a bit at the start so like mm. having a crack at that um but i think it's it's just all about kind of moving around you know and like giving people a bit of a look um mm. and like, i think like often like people that i've like done karaoke with are like my friends who are musicians so like <laughs> they're incredible singers um so yeah, it's just trying to find a way to kind of like make it funny. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I think the the twang is a big element, I think, if you're uh yeah. if you're going for that in karaoke and you get that little uh yeah, that little vibrato in there. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Alright, perfect. Uh we've on then song ten is a song that reminds you of a specific place. So we've gone for Terror in the Canyons by Phosphorescence. Yes. Um, so those music festivals that I mentioned before, um, Meredith mm-hmm. Music Festival and Golden Plains, um, they're, um, they're in the town of Meredith in, uh, country Victoria. Um, mm-hmm. so aptly named, um, but, um, like the, like obviously I have the tattoo, like they're, the, 
that's my church i i fucking love that place so 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 mm-hmm. so much um it's like it's this beautiful music festival like i think meredith's been going for about 30 years i think this year is the 30th anniversary um because they've had a couple of years off with um covid um golden plains is maybe like 14 or 15 years or something like that golden plains is a little bit smaller um and slightly shorter i kind of prefer golden plains um but they're small festivals it's like probably like golden plains about eight thousand people meredith's maybe about 10 or twelve thousand people um one stage big kind of like they call it the soup the supernatural amphitheater um but it's got like this sort of self-policing no dickheads policy uh where just to try and weed shitty people out of the festival because if you go to like other festivals if you go to like something like splendor in the grass which is like a big festival um in australia like just chock full of dickheads like (laughs) if you got fifty thousand people there there's gonna be some fucking absolute knobs in there um right yeah yeah and like the the occasional one will probably pop up here and there at Meredith, but like it it is like it does work pretty well. Um, yeah, BYO alcohol, very lax attitude towards drug use. <laughs> um, like they they treat you like an adult basically, and it's just like it's yeah. Meredith runs from like sort of Friday afternoon to like Sunday afternoon. Um, a fun part of uh, the Sundays at Meredith is like at the very first Meredith. Um, it was a much smaller affair killing because there is just one stage killing time between bands uh, uh, a running race was suggested but then somebody decided why don't we up the stakes and why don't we do it nude and um, that is now a yearly tradition uh, which is called the Meredith Gift which is named after the Stall Gift which is like a another running race that's held um, closed <laughs> somewhere in um, regional <laughs> Australia but um, right. I think it might actually be featured at the start of the movie Gallipoli from memory, but I could be wrong about that. But um but it's like you you I've I've been in it twice. Um <laughs> and it's it's genuinely they do like heats and then finals and like some of the people that go in it are fucking fast. There's a I remember the name because I've seen it so many times. This guy called Jared Kennedy has won it four times. Um Cheers. And I think like the first the first ever time I went to Meredith would have been like twenty eleven or twelve. Um they they usually get someone to host the last day and then kind of like host the gift. Um and uh I think the greatest commentator of all time, an AFL commentator called Dennis Cometti, was um uh-huh. hosting it, which was like because <laughs> he's famously always had like a very good sense of humour, like just little gems in commentary were like Liberatore went into that tackle optimistically came out misty optically like <laughs> very clever <laughs> he he was great so he was like really good for that and then like commentated it like properly like Jared Kennedy coming around the bend will he defend his title like it was <laughs> it was it just completely sold me on it um right and yeah I like I was like oh I'm coming back here every year after this and I've been in it and I think the first time I went in it like because there's genuinely like 10 or 12,000 people like watching you just like sprint like around this kind of little course um, yeah. and like a guy fell over in front of me and I had to hurdle him 
And that is like up there with the most joy I've ever felt in my life. Like <laughs> the most liberating feeling. Um, yeah. But uh, this song, um, I saw this band at um, Meredith. Yeah, it would have been Meredith in 2014 or 15. Um, right. And like, I think one of the things that they do really well um, at this festival is they track your day really well. Um, yeah. And I heard about this. Yeah, so it like starts um, usually like early in the morning. Like it's a bit more chill. Then like in the afternoon, it gets like there's more to it, but like it's nothing too crazy. Then like you get to kind of like prime time where like it's like the really showy stuff, and then the end of the night is just beats because people are on drugs. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just want something to latch onto. Um, yeah. but this would have been at about like two or three in the afternoon. Um, and like, usually like the amphitheater is like full of couches and stuff like that. Or you can just take like a bloody picnic blanket down there and just sit on the grass. And I just remember like watching this set and being like, this was the most perfect choice for how I feel right now. Like the vibe yeah. was just perfectly suited to like nice day in the afternoon like kind of getting back into the swing of things and uh-huh. I just think like like I went down there that was the one time that I went with a then girlfriend um, and like we would constantly listen to this record and like anytime this song came on just kind of transported me to like oh I was sitting like in my favourite place with like a bunch of my favourite people Um Mm. and yeah it always always makes me want to go back there beautiful I could I could go on forever about those festivals (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I I I I love choices like that where it's like a like a little snapshot I think that's 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 exactly what I'm aiming for with the category basically it's like you know a, a particular memory so um yeah I mean, I've very little to add because I don't want to say I don't want to distract from it. I really <laughs> like the song. We'll move on. Yeah, so I think like mixtaping your identity, like this is one mm. of the ones that like <laughs> is like closest to <laughs> that is my identity. I'm the annoying person that talks to everyone about Meredith and Golden Plains. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sold on it. Like uh, that honestly sounds like a dream. Oh, before um, you die, do before you die. Yeah. All right. Song 11, then, is a song that reminds you of a specific person. So you've gone for Drunk 2 by Mannequin Pussy. Yes. Uh, (laughs) That girlfriend that I was uh, at this uh, music festival with um, is (laughs) the person, or that ex-girlfriend, I should say, uh, is the person that um, this song reminds me of. Um, We uh, we broke up when I uh, came out as trans. Um, Funny story, she's now married to a woman. Um... But um, I like I like I I don't like hold a grudge against her or anything like that. Um, we haven't spoken in years. I just like suddenly got blocked on everything, um, which is fair enough. Mm. But um, uh, this song, like, I think just like every now and then you like ha- hear a song where you're just like, oh, they wrote this for me, and this right. was a massive one of those songs it's like 
it's become like a bit of a yearly tradition that I like will do a bit of a like top 20, 25 songs of the year countdown on my Instagram story on New Year's Eve. Um, even though I'm sure no one cares, <laughs> but, um, this was my number one song of the year that it came out. I fucking played it to death. Um, but I think like the lyrics feel like they really represent like a particular point in my life, sort of like after that breakup. Um, and like, I was just drinking a lot and going out and trying to fuck everyone that I could. And, um, and sort of just like, I think like, like with sort of hindsight, um, you can say that like, like I've never, I've never thought that she is a bad person and like, she's not done anything wrong. Like having a partner come out as trans is obviously, um, a very difficult thing. Um, and like, it can't be easy to navigate. Um, and like, also just like a breakup like we lived together and like that's not easy it's like one of you having to move out of the house that you live in like um Mm -hmm. which um i still live in that house um (laughs) i am in that house currently Um, but um yeah it's it's not easy but like i think also both parties in a breakup can be guilty of like not handling things very well and like i think sort of parts of at least how I was feeling at the time about how she was handling things are represented very well in the lyrics of this song. And like, they're very cutting, like things like you don't look at me, you don't talk to me. And I know it's because you're weak, baby. You feel guilty. It's pathetic. Um, (laughs) it's like Mm. quite a cutting barb. Um, but I sort of felt that that did like apply a little bit, um, to Mm -hmm. thing. I, I think like, probably to the fact that just like one day I was just suddenly gone um, from their life Um, but it's also just a fucking ripping punk song Um, (laughs) but like I like I I think it's also like it's good that it reminds me of that time in my life because it's helpful to appreciate that I don't feel those things anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you feel like you've grown where you're like, okay, like I might've felt those shitty things now, but I don't anymore. Like Mm -hmm. it's not the worst thing to be reminded of that or that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So is that, is that where you're at with this song now? Then, if you listen to it, it, sort of it puts you in that headspace of being reminded of the person, but not in a negative way at this point. Yeah, I think so. Like it probably because like because it, I felt like it had such a strong connection to her at the time. It will yeah. always pop into my head, and I'll always think about how much like when I heard it, I was like, "Oh shit, this was written for me." But like. Yeah. more so now it's probably just appreciating that it's a really fucking good song and I think like yeah. also just a nice moment that like um um Missy um who is like the kind of driving force behind Mannequin Pussy like when I um 
did my little list. I tagged them in it, and um, she was very appreciative that somebody thought that her song was the best song of that year. Um, so it was a yeah. nice little moment. Yeah. Yeah, it would do. Um, yeah, I really like that as a sentiment. Like, I've, um, this is something that uh, I discussed with um, Frankie, Frankie McNair. Ah, oh, Frankie's yeah. the best. Frankie is the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they picked um, Night Shift on on, on their list. Um, By Lucy Dacus? Yeah. Fucking um, ripper of a track. Beautiful, yeah. Um, and I've sort of, you know, I, I alluded to, you know, what, what I went through last year and, and when I was speaking to Frankie, like that song came around at a perfect time for me. Mm. Um, and... I think that's it's quite comforting to hear you say that as well um because that's kind of it was the sentiment that i took from that song is that the refrain at the end is um uh in five years like uh it's for anyone who hasn't heard it it's like a it's a very uh, painful song about a breakup um jilted ex-lovers yeah um and it's it's about like just feeling like Kind of not not as to the winter text at all actually, but <laughs> it like feeling like shit and feeling like you have to move your life around someone who has broken up with you and is just getting to live their life. Um, but the ending of the song is um, I, in five years I hope these songs feel like covers, sound like feel, feel like covers dedicated to new lovers, mm. and that that idea of that sort of being able to appreciate the song for what it is and the sadness and the the pain being allowed to fade from that mm. um that's something that i'm i'm kind of in the place of like hoping and waiting for that to happen mm. so it's quite comforting to know that um because apparently lucy lucy Dacus actually did go on instagram at one point and say it's been five years and it, it does feel that way yeah um i did so it's, it's quite nice to hear you say that as well that's probably another song that like sort of helped me through the same breakup to be honest um, yeah like it's also like I think I started saying that and didn't finish the thought <laughs> before was like mm-hmm. sometimes you have to feel shitty unreasonable feelings to help you get through it and I think songs like that yeah are a little bit cathartic in that way and you can feel them at the time and then know that maybe later on they're not particularly valid but like they're helpful yeah, yeah. to move past. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, like, yeah. Sometimes you need an antagonist, um, or like to feel like someone like you've been wronged mm. in some way. Um, yeah, to have sort of strength to move through it, or to, like to get through a moment. They got line you you picked out the um, uh, about not being able to look me in the eye, mm. and it's pathetic. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, which at the time is is very useful because you're like you know. Um, you're like, well, it's actually it's a you problem, and then maybe on reflection, you're like, you know, maybe it's just you know, it's it's awkward. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's not something I need to really analyze. Yeah, you just have to have yeah. a bit of main character syndrome for a bit. Absolutely, yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. All right, then. Song twelve is a song that motivates you. So you've gone for "Nothing Ever Happened" by Deer Hunter. Yes, um, my friend Paul. Um, is a great musical mind. Um, 
years ago. I don't know if you could still find the tweet because um, I, I think the account probably would have been inactive for a long time. But I'm pretty sure his handle was Total Champ. Uh, but once tweeted, uh, the song Nothing Ever Happened by Deer Hunter will always make me want to do 100 million push-ups. And um, I like read that and was like, yeah, me too. Like, just that kind of like, it's, I guess it's like maybe a little kraut rocky, but just like that kind of like driving bass line and the drums or whatever behind it. It's just like, I'll always kind of like put that on where like I need to like get shit done. Like, I think it's been years <laughs> since I'd done it, but when I was still trying to go for runs, that was always on the mm. running playlist, like maybe often yeah. quite near the start to be like, all right, here we go. But, um, yeah, but apparently, like, um, Josh Forver, who was the bass player at the time, who is uh, now dead, unfortunately, um, but he was the sort of chief writer of that song instead of, like, Bradford Cox or Lockett Punt, who were, like, normally the kind of main songwriters for that band. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it's, yeah, just the way it kind of propels. And, like, I I love a song that just kind of, like, keeps building and building to like a crescendo like I mean, maybe like a more chilled out version would be um oh shit i've forgotten the name of it uh sentimental exes by um broken social scene it's um it does it really subtly but like builds mm -hmm. so many elements and i think like this is sort of similar like once it gets into that like kind of propulsive like latter half of the song just the way like all the elements build up like like looped voice and like all the different little like tappy guitar bits like like my if anyone takes anything away from this the one true recommendation i can give you is to go on youtube and look up deer hunter playing this song at the pitchfork music festival in like 2011 or something like that it is fucking unreal like i I saw that and then like later saw them play this song live and like got a sort of similar version. Thank Christ. It's like I I will watch it probably like once every three weeks. It's one of the most incredible like because like the first bit of the song plays out like normal but then the sort of latter half of it kicks off um into sort of an extended jam. Um, at one point Bradford Cox just starts improvising lyrics which then move into the lyrics of Horses by Patti Smith um, but it builds and builds and builds Josh Forver the bass player in one of the coolest moves has just got a fucking cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he's like playing with one hand like he's just tapping the notes um, right. <laughs> standing there having a dart it looks very cool um, but like so much of why I enjoy it is just the most impressive feat of drumming you've ever seen in your life where Moses Archuleta, the drummer, has to basically hold down the same beat for nine minutes and probably the last minute or minute and a half of that, it, he's got to do the same beat but really ramp it up and like right. start hitting some crash cymbals and stuff like that and it is absolutely heroic and like mm. by the looks of the video 
it's not the last song they play in the set. <laughs> like, how are you going to make this guy do more work after this? Like, it is truly Herculean. Like, I, I don't yeah. like, I don't know how his body doesn't seize up. And then like, I watched him do it live, and it, like, it looks really difficult. Like, he's really like, <laughs> you can tell he's really gassed at the end of it. It's yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's amazing, and just yeah, the way it all blows up. Uh, I love the like yeah this performance kind of goes down and up and like to the point that like I even like I used to be one I I persisted with the iPod for a lot longer than most people did and yeah. um I like <laughs> I downloaded the audio of that off YouTube so I could like <laughs> listen to it while I was like on the go um because it like pumped me up so much like um, first thing I do when I get off the air is I'm absolutely going to go and watch that video. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it out. I'll, I'll put it in the uh, um, in the show notes. Mm. Yeah, I again very little ads that I yeah absolutely love the song and um makes sense that you're a, a bass player because I that was the the main thing I took away from that song is like the bass the um the bass riff and this is epic it's so mm. good um and yeah so i i it's fun to play too i'm sure it is yeah i'm yeah i'm, I'm starting to accumulate a um a bunch of songs like this uh, that, that motivate me um so if i like my knees are in absolute tatters so i don't mm. i don't run anymore either but if i do go back to the gym this will be right in the rotation but it's, it's a great song it's a river um, Alright, song 13 is a song that someone introduced you to so your song is Snake Farm by <laughs> Ray Wiley Hubbard Yeah um, this is like a very big song in um, my friend group um, so like yeah they're all like, not all of them like a lo- but a lot of them are musicians um, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are country musicians um, the um, the Cocaine Cowboys are the wild wild inner west of Sydney Um but um like great bands like Caitlin Hunt and the Pony Boys, Andy Gollidge band, Lady Lion, um, you know, Pan Pacific Grand Prix, K Dot Walsh, all all this sort of stuff. I'm sure I'm forgetting people. Um but um the Tamworth Country Music Festival is like a big thing in um New South Wales and like right. Andy Gollidge of the Andy Gollidge band uh is from Tamworth. So are a couple of other people in our friend group. Um and it's sort of a yearly tradition to go up there. I haven't been able to get up there for it yet, um, but hopefully I will be there next year. Um, but uh, there was a, a musician that they all um, met up there called Eight Ball Aiken, um, which is a great <laughs> country music name. Excellent name. Yeah. But um, I think they all saw him doing a cover of uh, this song, um, which like is obviously relatively well known in the country world because um a bunch of them i think about two weekends ago um played at uh, this country music festival up in the hunter in new south wales called dashville and we all went and um the um second two days at um around the time of sunset they were doing this thing called the sunset super round and just anyone who was like on the um festival lineup could come out and play a cover and um wow. one of the people played this song um but um the woman who um 
I went through a breakup with earlier in the year, unfortunately, um, very early into us dating, um, sort of told me about this and like, um, cause she had like a very, um, she had very weird listening habits, um, which she would happily admit, um, like she doesn't really like live music, uh, which is interesting considering, um, like we, we had, we had the sort of same friend group. Um, um, so like, to be honest, I, like I know all these people through her. Um, but, um, so she doesn't really like live music. Um, but she like, she does genuinely enjoy like most of our friends, um, band's music. I'll say all if anyone's listening. Um, but, um, but, uh, the way she listens to music is if she comes across a song that she likes, she puts it on her liked songs on Spotify and then just listens to sort of the same few songs from that playlist in a row for weeks on end, which would grate at me sometimes because of like, okay, I'm fucking sick of hearing this song. Um, right. But this was obviously on there relatively close to the front when we started dating. So sort of told me the kind of like eight ball Aiken story and then just started playing it all the time and it's like it's a dumb song and it's fun to like I think it's fun to sing at your partner like with the whole like right. you know snake farm just sounds nasty pretty much isn't they're like thing um, <laughs> and like she uh, she lived with her best friend um, who like also part of all of this so like it would become like a real big house thing to like sing that song and whatnot and it's yeah it's like a really big thing um among our friend group we we have a um a friend um named Nina who's um a tattoo artist uh called Goat Lumps look her up uh if uh, you're ever in Sydney great great tattooist uh I've like that's that's a that's a Nina. Uh, if we're on the on the country music train, uh, two naked chicks riding a horse together. Um, yep. But uh, Caitlin Harnett of Caitlin Harnett and the Pony Boys got a um, a tattoo from Nina, which is like a similar thing of like a kind of nakedish girl on the back of like a horse that's bucking up and like throwing like a snake, like a lasso. And um, mm. I don't think she even realised at the time, but someone was like, "Oh, snake farm!" She was like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, I think it's just uh yeah, it's a stupid fun song to uh enjoy with friends. That reminds me of my friends um and reminds me of like a lot of fun times with this you know, person that I still care a lot about. Hmm. Yeah. It's a stupid dumb song. <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed it immensely. The uh I exactly that. The every, every time I'm listening to it in the car I I, I enjoy a little sing along. And uh, yeah, every, every time they got to that, I was um, <laughs> yeah, I was right into it. It's yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, song fourteen, and it's a song you wouldn't expect to like. So you're going for Heliotrope by Plus Side. Yeah. So uh, look, to be honest, the last couple here are excuses to get my friends' music in. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Fair enough. But why not? <laughs> um, but uh, the reason I bought that like big Rickenbacker bass was um, uh, Cam Whip and Luke Pizzetto, Boz, um, mm-hmm. who are the um, two guys in Plus Side. Um, Cam is like a really old friend of mine. Um, 
uh, we they they're like a really prolific, great songwriting duo. The, my friend Paul that I brought up earlier about the uh, Deer Hunter tweet. Those three uh-huh. used to play in a band called Milk with two Ks, um, which if you can find any of that stuff, look it up. It's like really cool instrumental experimental music. Um, mm-hmm. With um, yeah, very cool guitar-y stuff. Um, but then um, I think Paul wasn't really liking what they were doing and left the band. And then um, Cam and Boz started um, writing together and turns out they were writing like shitloads of songs and they started this band called The Decimals. And because um, Cam is like a very, very accomplished bass player. He's really fucking good. Um, and I... But he, uh, in the decimals, he was the drummer and the singer. Um, so he messaged me one day and said, like, hey, do you want to, like, be in the band? Um, which was great because, like, I already knew some of their songs um, and liked them. So I just got to be a fan who was in the band because, I, as I said, I can't write songs. So Cam just right. told me what to play, um, which was good fun. And I think Cam had a little too much faith in me sometimes because, like, yeah, he is an incredible bass player. I'm like I'm good enough. I'll I'll <laughs> I can get you there. But like he would occasionally hand me something. I'd be like, Cam, this is fucking difficult. Okay, <laughs> like, like, what? you have too much faith in me. Um, but I got there. But then um, I think um, yeah, like Cam had a kid. He's got two kids now. Um, like Boz got married, and then like COVID happened, and it just sort of fell away. Um, but I think because they are so good at writing songs together they were probably just sending each other like stuff that they were making during um the pandemic and then um made this new band and i think the reason i wouldn't expect to like it is because it's aussie hip-hop uh basically and uh that is a genre that i've not had a lot of love for um sure i think like there are there is some good stuff out there like i remember seeing briggs at um meredith once and it was fucking great um, uh-huh. but there's, there's a lot of shit in Aussie hip hop. And I think like maybe part of that is because like, it's a relatively, um, young genre. Um, like sure. when compared to like, you know, just like hip hop overall. Um, mm. and like, I, I love like, especially in like punk music and stuff like that. I love people singing in an Australian accent. Um, mm. like, because it's it's so much more authentic to just sing in your own accent. Like, why are you singing in an American accent? You're not American. Um, mm. But um, something about the Australian accent rapping really kind of like can it can put me off. Um, but sure. and like, maybe it's because I love them. But like um, like I I love this. Like I think like. Boz is such an inventive guitar player and like like he's one of the most quiet unassuming people you ever meet but it's just this absolute noise machine on the guitar um mm-hmm. and like like you'll hear that if you look up any like milk or decimal stuff um both available on Bandcamp I believe um but um yeah and like like Cam is he's such a smart guy um and like very funny um mm. like I, I remember you always said that like whenever I hang out with you I feel like I would get like 85% more bogan um which is interesting <laughs> <laughs> to bring that out of someone um 
<laughs> but I always liked being around him when he was like that. Um, but yeah, like, and like they've put like an EP out since, and like all of it is great. Um, I think this was like the second single from it. Like, yeah, I'm not not the biggest fan of Aussie hip hop, but this this really does it for me. In mm. fact, I was actually just drinking a coffee before with uh, <laughs> the plus side logo and the uh, name of their first single. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I I opened for their uh, little EP launch. Um, and then, whilst singing that song, another cup of Java juice, Cam walked around handing coffee mugs out to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I love this. I thought it was, I, I genuinely, until you started um, talking about this, I, I didn't know that this wasn't a an established artist mm. in Australia. Like this could easily have been like one of the biggest songs in Australia, and I just didn't know about it. Um, I, I absolutely, um, especially the 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 beat and the guitar and the like the the the, the music of it. Um, I re- I really like the way the vocal is layered on top, but um, there's so many interesting things being done with the with the guitar in particular. Yeah, um, the way that it like that I, when he starts sort of strumming it, leading into the chorus is uh-huh. like, fuck. It sounds cool. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. yeah, and the the high bits coming in and everything. Yeah, it's it's really really well done. Um, so yeah, like yeah, for, if anyone's listening and hasn't already listened to the song, definitely give it a go. And I, I'm gonna get into the EP for sure. Yeah, and uh, listen to I, I, I really like this. <laughs> listen to what not having me in your band anymore can do for your band. <laughs> <laughs> So freeing, yeah. Um, <laughs> to drop a bit of dead weight. <laughs> oh, that's it. All right. Song fifteen then is a song that you think everyone should listen to. So you've gone for "I Used to Be Okay with Loneliness" by River Dreams. Yes. So this is another friend. Um, my my friend Carl Carl Manwaring. Um, uh, happy birthday, Carl. Um, I should say. Um, it's not actually Carl's birthday, but it's uh, a fun bit in our friend group is to just every time you see Carl is to wish him happy birthday. <laughs> Which nice, okay. It, happy it really Carl. delights me, and I don't think he loves it. <laughs> but um, that's uh, even better, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, um, I think, for years um, was like writing stuff and like doing um, little solo things, but like. He he used to be in a relationship with Caitlin Harnett um, of Caitlin Harnett the Pony Boys, and um, I think she kind of like quite got in his ear and was like, "You need to like, like you're such a good songwriter. You need to like fully realize this stuff." And like, you know, we've got like so many good musician friends, like assemble a band or whatever, and mm-hmm. like finally did. Um, I think for the single launch of the first single from this album, which is called Airport. Um, but uh, this album came out like right at the start of the year sort of mid-January and I said at the time album of the year and nothing has overtaken it for me yet Um, like the first time I went and watched Carl live was just like a religious experience like he I think he is a songwriter of very very special talent and 
um, like the the lyrics are all for the most part very sad. Um, like <laughs> I went through a breakup this year, and like the song on the record, "How Could You Let Me Let Go of You," um, has certainly mm-hmm. <laughs> been cathartic in uh, <laughs> okay, kicking yeah. a few cries off. Um, yeah, sure. Which you know. <laughs> was probably happening with happening with the other person involved in the breakup as well um mm. <laughs> because we're both fans of Carl um but yeah i think my uh, how could you let me let go of you was was probably my initial favorite live um but then like this one has a bit more joy to it i think and like this this is usually like mm. the last song that Carl will play live and like if you ever get a chance go and see him with the whole band like it's and because like even before he'd recorded any of the songs like our friends are really good at going to see each other's bands all the time even though they've seen them a million times um yeah sure so like I was like sort of late to the party in terms of like my introduction into the friend group but um it was so great going there and like like he's really good at writing like a hook um and just seeing everybody like who knew all the words to these like unrecorded songs and just like mm. how triumphant singing along with all the um choruses and stuff are and like yeah this th- this one is just I love the just the way that it kind of like builds up at the end to like now I'm climbing up a mountain and I'll never reach the top that that whole thing it's yeah it's there's a lot of sad stuff in there of like <laughs> but it, I think this is this is like a good one like like at the end of the day like all the most joyous things are like about love or whatever and like just that lyric of like it sure is good to be moving it sure is good to be in love like mm it's okay to be okay with loneliness, but like, it's also fucking sick to be in love with someone. Um, yeah, sure. And yeah, I just, I think this is such a fucking excellent song and an excellent album. And Carl is so great. And he's a very nice man. (laughs) (laughs) Half the battle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I think this is a gorgeous song. Um, and again, wouldn't have known that he's not a huge artist. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was beautiful and a really sort of old soul, I guess, like sort of more old school songwriting that I'm starting to connect with a lot more recently. Mm. Um, which is what I really appreciate is when someone can. Uh, I think it's very, very difficult. Like I've, I've written lyrics, and it's very difficult to write lyrics that are saying anything new. Um, and I think this is a very universal theme, but it still feels fresh in the way that it's written. It still feels like there's something, there's something authentic about it, but there's something that's yeah, a little bit different, a little bit new about it as well. So there's. Yeah, it's it's difficult to put into words, which is you know um, awkward for me hosting a podcast. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a beautiful song. I really did. 
Yeah, he's uh, that. That would be my one uh, sort of album recommendation to anyone this year. Is go listen to Carl River Dreams, I guess. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, very, very, very good. Mm. Also, just has one of my favorite. The record uh, on the song Airport, which was the first single, has uh, one of my favorite just dumb little lyrics, which is, um, watch the cricket, drink a beer. I'm like, hell yeah, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing those things, especially at the same time. (laughs) All right, perfect. Well, uh, I perfectly know what to end on there. (laughs) So, um, uh, do you have anything that you want to? Blogger, promote, what have you? Um, I mean, follow me on social media, I guess, at Rose Ellis Piper on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, I mean, I have episodes recorded uh, of a podcast uh, included with Frankie. Oh, actually, no, I don't because we lost that episode, but we're going to re-record it. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> I haven't started releasing it yet, but maybe this will be a good uh, kick up the ass to um, get me to actually edit and start releasing this but I've got episodes in the can for a, a podcast called I'm Gushing uh, which mm-hmm. is um, a podcast where people come on and talk about their loves, passions and obsessions um, the oft mentioned Caitlin Harnett uh, is uh, on an episode talking about country music um, I mean I've got there's some there's some broad topics there's, there's me talking about Meredith and Golden Plains there's someone talking about Phil Collins uh, if we're talking about music um Another member of Caitlin Harnett and the Pony Boys and the Andy Gollage Band is on talking about Take Five and That's Life magazines. Um, <laughs> but there's um, there's some good stuff in there. So, yeah, follow, follow me on social and keep your eye out and I'll get that out into the world at some point. Happy days. Yeah. All right, thanks, Roger. Cool. Thank you for having me. Uh, anything where you can compile giant music lists. And that is it for episode 43 of Mixed Infinite Entity. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, yeah, go and check out Rosie wherever you can. If you're in Australia and you have the opportunity, go and support live comedy, go and watch her perform. Uh, if you're not, just follow on the socials, engage with the content, all that good stuff. It would be appreciated. If you like this show and you want to support it, we do have a coffee link set up. It's in the uh, in the link tree in the description. Uh, you can throw us a couple of quid for an episode that you've enjoyed. Uh, there's no monthly obligation there, um, but that would be appreciated. If you're not in a position to do that, absolutely fine. Uh, again, engage with the content. Uh, follow on Instagram, uh, like and share, all that good stuff. Leave us a review. Um, yeah, all the support's appreciated. I'll be back next week for episode 44. But in the meantime after yourselves and we'll speak to them.